Okay, we're looking at Hey Babes Amid Aleph. We're starting right from the top. Top of the Amid, a fresh Mishnah. Says the Mishnah, when it comes to children, there's no din to afflict them. Meaning, Chazal, we're not geyser. And this is the idea we kind of saw before in the Gemara. That there's no din of chinach. There's no din of trying to stop them. There's no din of not giving it to them. Because Chazal weren't geyser in anything which was part of their development. So we saw that for shoes, they're not supposed to wear a lot of their shoes. But in regards to, let's say, the, the bathing and the, and the spraying with oil, we're allowed to be lenient. And the same thing with, fe- with, with feeding them. That we're not, we don't have to make sure that they, uh, um, we don't have to make sure that they're, they're fasting. The opposite, we're supposed, to, we're supposed to get them to eat. The question is, if a child wants to fast, you have to dafka, make sure that they eat. That necessarily you don't see in the Mishnah. But I'll upon him, it's definitely okay to be feeding the children. But then the Mishnah says, oh, but that doesn't mean any age. There it starts, we start training them. Is it din of chinuch before a year? Meaning, not the way like everybody would think today. Imagine you don't know anything. Just read the Mishnah simply. Before a year, not the year before. Before a year of lefnei time, or before two years. And the point of this chinuch, that we start training them to fast, is that we want them to be accustomed to doing the mitzvahs. And the Pashup shot is when we say chinuch, Rashi already says here, it's really just foreshadowing what we're going to see in the Gemara, that it doesn't mean to get them to fast the whole thing. There's no din that, 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 that before Bar Abbas Mitzvah, they have to fast the whole, the whole fast necessarily. The Pashup shot in the Mishnah would be that before a year, before they're going to turn, before they're going to turn into maturity, or before two years, and again, obviously, that's a contradiction. Is it before one year? Is it before two years? We'll see that in the Gemara. There's a din that we start training them. Training them implies that they do a fast for a few hours. So if he eats, we'll see in the Gemara how it says it, if they eat, you know, normally in the fifth hour, eat in the sixth hour. Like, you push it off a little bit so they get a flavor for Yom Kippur. So what, what's the positive shot takeaway from the Mishnah? The simple idea here is that until they get before two years and before one year, there's no denim training anything whatsoever. Once they reach before the age of, basically a way of saying it is three years before Bar Mitzvah, two years before Bar Mitzvah, before two years, before one year, then we start training them. And the, and the simple idea of training would be that you start delaying what hour of the day they will be eating. And that's al-tchinuch, so that they should get accustomed to it. Why did Chazal not go there before? Is it that the child can't understand? No, he probably could understand. But the idea is that it's necessary for the development and therefore Chazal weren't goes there. That would be the simple understanding here in the Mishnah. So, the Gemara asks, An obvious question. The Mishnah says, before two years, you start the Chinuch. So is it necessary to say that we train them before one year? So, in other words, just say, we start doing it before two years prior to Bar Bas Mitzvah, and then it's self-understood that you're doing it for one year. It sounds like in the Mishnah, it's before two years and before one year. Well, 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 what's the point of saying and before one year? So, there are din in the Mishnah that it's before one year, not before two years, but before one year. That's talking about a child that doesn't have great strength. It's a sicker child. A child that doesn't, you know, show, display signs of strength. It doesn't mean, obviously, tremendously sick either, that we wouldn't do anything, but it means that Child's not a strong kid. So if it's not a strong kid, then the chinuch doesn't start before two years. It only starts before one year. But the din of the Mishnah, that it starts before two years, that's talking about a strong, healthy kid. Okay, so again, keeping everything the same, that we're starting a training where they're going to eat a little bit later in the day. But when exactly does that take place? It depends. The variable depends. For some kids, it's only before the one year. In other words, two years before Bar Mitzvah. And for some kids, it's three years before Bar Mitzvah, before two years. That's... The Gemara understands. Now the Gemara now introduces from Nu'am things which are going to seem to contradict 
what we just said. So don't worry, we'll eventually address it. Now the Gemara starts with like a fresh perspective on the idea of the kids have to fast. Amar Ben Shmona, we'll call the first thing what we just learned, Yavchista's explanation. Yavchista's explanation would be that the earliest you would ever see a boy uh, fasting at all on Yom Kippur would be 10. That would be the earliest thing. Before two years, at age 10, that would be the earliest possible time that you would see a boy fasting, and even then it would be a partial fast. If it would be a sick kid, then it would only be year 11. For a girl, it would be 9 and 10. Okay? Fine. That's the simple idea here. So now, an 8-year-old or a 9-year-old, you start training them, we make them fast a few hours, meaning we push off when they eat on Yom Kippur. He's already has an 8-year-old. Then Ezra ben when there's a 10 or 11-year-old, mashlimen, they have to finish the entire fast. They have to fast the whole day. Midrabbanan, of course, that's Midrabbanan, that's Chinuch. But he holds, as soon as they're 10 or 11, they have to fast the whole thing. And Shemesh, when they turn 12, mashlimen midaraisa, then they have to complete the fast, midaraisa, bitinokas, and we're talking about a girl. So Rav is talking about a girl. So when she's 12, that's clear, she's going to fast midaraisa. For the two years before Bas Mitzvah, when she's 10 and 11, she has to fast the entire thing, Rav Huna contends. However, that's of course only Midrabana. And two years prior to that, eight years old and nine years old, she should fast Lishos. There's a training which takes place where we make her fast a little bit and delay how long she eats. That's what Rav Huna says. Now, obviously, that doesn't seem to be with what the Mishnah said. Rav Nachman, Amar Rav Nachman says he's just going to say the same thing just with the ages of a boy. Fantasia ben Asim, Machanachos, so all the shows, a nine year old or ten year old is trained to fast a few hours. Ben Achaz, Ben Shemesh, Ben Shemesh, Ben eleven or twelve year old boy a year finishes the whole fast, Mid Rabbanon. And Shalosha says when he turns thirteen, Mashim, Mid Rabbanon, he has to finish the fast, even Mid Rabbanon, Bet Tinok, and he's talking about a boy. So Rav Huna and Rav Nachman are in the same camp, the same perspective, just one's talking about a boy and one's talking about a girl. And they're both saying that there are four years before Barabbas Mitzvah that we start getting involved. For the first two years, let's just talk about a boy. I don't know why, a little bit mentally for me, it's easier. For the boy, when he turns nine, at the ages nine and 10, we delay when he eats. And 11 and 12, he has to fast, the entire fast, and then only when he turns 13, will that be Midorai. So that's the view here from Rav Huna and Rav Nach. Now, obviously that contradicts seemingly what the Mishnah said. The Mishnah seemed to bring in an idea of Chinuch, Lefnei Shana and Lefnei Shtatai. We interpreted that from Rav Chista, that it means for a chole, it's uh, the year before one year, so we, we, call that, we call that 11, and if it's a strong kid, then 10, you would start them. Here, we have, we have, we have Rav Nachman starting a year earlier, so that's a big problem, and it also seems like it's a problem, is that the Mishnah only mentioned the idea of chinach, chinach pashut is mashma, that you train them a little bit, meaning you delay. Here we have, according to Rav Nachman and Rav Huna, that the two years before Bar Bas Mitzvah, they have to fast the whole thing. So that's another, another, another problem here with their opinions. We'll see eventually. The Gemara will explain to us how, they, how their view is reconciled with the Mishnah. Rav Yechanan Amar, Yechanan says here, a third view, there's absolutely no such thing as ever a child completing a fast. No such thing. Midrabanan doesn't make a difference. There's no such halacha. What happens is, a 10 or 11 year old is trained to fast a little bit, and Ben Shemesh, a 12 year old does Midrabanan. See, he's talking about a girl. So he's talking about a girl, and, and, the, um, and, and, and they do it midaraisa when they turn 12. But the Ben Eser, Ben Achasasre, the 10 or 11 year old, is just trained for a few hours. So now we're going to try to figure out all these opinions together with the Mishnah. 
So first we ask on Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan is saying there's no such thing as finishing up. You just, has a, you just have a 10 or 11-year-old who fasts for a few hours, and then the 12-year-old does the right. So, so tonight we learned that our mission to We said that the kids, we don't train them to fast, but there's a training before the year before a year and the year before two years. So again, what's the, what does that mean? It basically means two years before and three years before. Okay, that's what it means. Before one year and before two years. That's the simple shot. So if we're talking about a girl, that would mean a nine, when she turns nine, that would be the earliest that the Mishnah said. So Bishop of we can understand from Funa Nachman. Remember, Funa Rav Nachman are the camp that we're saying there's four years. The first two years are, are, are we train for, for, for hours, and then the two years right before Barabbas so they fast completely. We could actually make sense of that, what the Mishnah is saying according to them. How in the world could we? The Mishnah only mentioned three years before Yom Kippur, not four years. The answer is time. They can interpret this thing before one year, before two, two years, they can learn like this. We train a sick child for part of the day, one year before, in other words, before one year before, two years before, they have to fast the entire day, Midra Banan. And that is the same thing as saying before, two years before, meaning three years before, they have to fast the entire thing, Mida Oraisa. So now we can understand what it's saying, saying that we, we, can get, we can get what's behind this. We're talking about at least for a sick child, there's going to be a Zman, there's going to be a Zman that they're going to have to fast Midra Banan the whole day. And there's going to be a time that they have to fast Midaraisa the whole day. The time that they're going to fast Midra Banan is, um, is the years before Bar Mitzvah. And the fast that they're going to have to fast Midaraisa once they turn Bar Mitzvah. So for this kid, we're saying before one year, meaning two years before, then they have to fast the, 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 the Rabbanon. So we start the Chinuch. Two years before, they're going to have to start fasting the whole fast midrabbanon. We start the chinuch of starting to train them for a couple hours, and that is the same as the three years before. They're going to have to fast the entire fast day mida oraisa. So basically, it sounds like we're saying that according to Rav Huna and Rav Nachman, three years before we take the sick kid, we start training him lishaos, and then what happens is is that is that and is that a year before bar mitzvah, he's going to have start fasting complete. And then once he turns bar mitzvah, he's going to start doing the complete thing midar iso level. So that's how they'll, they'll understand the mishnah. So really, we're, 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 so it's really at the age that the training begins is always two years before you have to start fasting the whole day midar abanos. So that's what the mishnah means. Lifnei shana, the year that's before one year, meaning two years before you start training. Two years before what? Not before bar mitzvah. Two years before when there's going to be a din that midar abanos they have to fast. So now that starts making sense. The whole Mishra could be talking about a sick kid. So you're waiting to get him to the, to as late as possible. So two years before, the two years before, the before one year is going to have to fast Midrabana, you do that. And that is three years before he's going to have to fast the entire day, Midaraisa. So that would mean for a girl, um, a sick girl would start fasting partially at age nine. She's going to start completing the fast day Midrabanan two years later at the age of 11, and she'll complete the fast when she turns 12 on a Daraisa level. If it would be a stronger kid, then we would have him complete the fast even for, for two years before the Bar Mitzvah, and then the training would be two years before that even, and would be one year earlier. But the Mishnah could be referring to a sick kid, and the Mishnah is saying it's before one year, meaning 
two years before when we Rabbanon, we're going to be mechayven to fast the whole the whole thing, which will be before, which will be three years before we would fast force them to do midaraisa the whole thing. So that's the way we could understand Rav Nachman and Rav Huna. So I know that was a very confusing line in the Gemara because all the Mishnah mentioned is that we start training them two years before and three years before. But what we're saying is the Mishnah is saying all about one thing. It's talking about, let's say, the sick child. We're trying to delay as much. We're only going to make them fast midrabbanon one full year before their bar mitzvah for a sick kid. But two, but, 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 but two years before that, we'll start the chinuch. And that, that is the same thing as saying three years before they're going to be required midaraisa to do, to do it. So for a sick girl, the bottom line is, Reb Nachman would say, as soon as they turn nine, we start machan chum l'shoz. When they turn 11, they would start doing, when they turn 11, they would start doing a full, uh, full fast. If the kid is strong, then Reb Nachman Reb Huna would say for a girl, as soon as she's eight, you would start the chinuch l'shoz, when she's eight and she's nine. And when she would turn 11, she would turn 10, rather, she would start doing the full, uh, the full fast. So that's how Reb Nachman Reb Huna could be understood and reconciled with our Mishnah. Says Rabbi Yochanan Kasher. According to Rabbi Yochanan, it's a Kasher. Rabbi Yochanan said kids never finish the fast, so he can't say that we're talking about you know the same time period like we just did. So he has to be saying something like he can't say like we said earlier with Rav Chista that the two-year training kid is for a sick kid and the three is for a healthy child because according to Rabbi Yochanan, we're saying that the sick kid is trained for only one year, right? Rabbi Yochanan only mentioned he said that the the, the training only begins for a girl at ten or eleven. And the Mishnah clearly said not that way. The Mishnah said before one year or before two years. So that doesn't make sense. Rabbi Yochanan seems to be saying the most we ever train is two years. The Mishnah seems to be saying the training could theoretically begin before two years, three years before they turn bar mitzvah. So the Gemara answers, The Mishnah doesn't mean before one year or before two years. That's not what it's saying. It's saying one year or two years before adults. So it's not lifnei shana. I don't know if he's making a total hagon. The Mishnah He's totally changing the gear. So that sounds like it. The text in this Mishnah is that we start training them before one year or before two years. I'm saying, no, it doesn't mean before one year or before two years. It means one or two years before. So let's make a, a, a little summary of what we have because we finally finished all the opinions. Rabbi Yochanan is the most kuladik. This is the last opinion we're looking at. He's saying the all, there's no such thing as ever fasting before Bar Bar completely. No such thing. All you have is training for a few hours. For a sick kid, it's the year that before Bar Mitzvah that they do that. For a strong kid, two years before Bar Mitzvah. The next opinion, which is what we started with, was Rav Chista. He was in the middle. He also didn't have idea of finishing the whole fast. He just, all we mentioned is Chinuch. But he has had it one more year. He read the Mishnah, the simple pshat, lifnei shana and lifnei shatayim. So for a strong kid, it's two years, it, it, it's three years before they turn bar mitzvah that we start training them for hours. And for a sick kid, it's two years before bar mitzvah that we start training them. That was Rav Chisa. That's the moderate view, the second view in the middle. Both of those opinions don't hold as a concept of finishing the fast at all. And then we have the most machmer opinion about Rav Huna and Rav Nachman. They're saying that there's a concept of fasting the entire fast before you turn bar mitzvah. For a strong kid, it will be two years before bar mitzvah. For a weak kid, it will only be one year before bar mitzvah. But either way, two years before you're going to start that, there's going to be a chinuch l'shoz. So if, it's, if, if that's a sick kid, then it's going to end up being that the chinuch l'shoz is three years before bar mitzvah. And if it's a strong kid, then the chinuch l'shoz will end up being four years before bar mitzvah. And that idea is that the chinuch l'shoz is always two years before they're going to fast the whole fast mid That's the most machmer opinion. Now, everything I've been telling you, trying to explain the Gemara, is Gemara Rashi. So it, it's an interesting thing. If you're walking out with the most machmer opinion here, Kamar Rashi, it would be that a strong kid should fast the entire fast two years before their bar bas mitzvah, and two years before that, they should have chinuch l'shoz. That, that should be the takeaway from our Gemara. 
don't get nervous. Obviously, we know practically it doesn't seem that we, we, we do it that way. But don't get nervous from that. That seems to be the, 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 what, what's being told to us here, Gemara Rash. Continues the Gemara. Tashma, another Kashma, Puna, and Rafat Nachman. Tali Rabbi Bershmul, Tinokas, Imam, is from the performance says in the Bible, we don't make kids fast on Yom Kippur. We do train them one or two years before they become adults. So the Lashon here is that you don't, all there is, is Chinuch, is Chinuch a year or two. So Bishlam, other Rabbi Yochanan, Nechor. Yochanan's the best, right? We could be talking about a year for a sick kid, two years for a healthy kid, and all there is is Chinuch Lashos. That's great. That's exactly Rabbi Yochanan, right? All there is. Is a training either one year before Ramadan or two years before Ramadan if it's strong? Ella, Rafuna, Rav Nachman, Kasha, according to Rafuna, Rav Nachman, and Shved, they hold that, that, that remember, the, the smallest amount is three years because there's definitely one year before Bar Mitzvah that even the sick kid has to fast completely. And there's always two years of training before that. So they, there's no such thing even for a sick kid of starting a little bit less than three years before Bar Mitzvah. And here, Pasha, we're talking about Chinach. It doesn't say fasting the whole thing. Right, he's saying chinuch. So the training, according to Rav Huna and Rav Nachman, is lechol apachas three years before. So what's going on? So the answer is, I'm lechol rabbanon. My chinuch nami tani ashlama. When the bride was talking about chinuch, it wasn't talking about pushing off chinuch, like eating the chinuch of eating a little bit later in the day. It was talking about finishing. In other words, finishing the fast. That's where we say that it's if it's a sick kid, then it's one year before the fast. If it's strong kids, it's two years before the fast. So the Mar doesn't like that. If you're talking about finishing, would you call that chinuch? That's not training. That's making them do it. Training is mashma, like just, you know, like childlike. Push off when they eat a little bit. So we say, what's training a kid for Yom Kippur? Training is that if he usually eats in the second hour of the day, we give him the food only in the third hour. If he usually eats in the third hour, we give him food in the fourth hour. So we see that the Lashon Chinuch isn't totally fasting. There's two different types of training. You're right. The last price that they usually looked at, which was talking about the chinuch of shows, isn't, wouldn't say that it would be like the first bride, so only the year before Bar Mitzvah. The first bride that would say that the chinuch begins a year before Bar Mitzvah was talking about the chinuch of totally fasting. So there's two different angles. There's an angle, the chol apachos, three years before Bar Mitzvah, where you're starting the training of shows. And then there's another din of chinuch, the chinuch of Ashlamah, which takes place the year before Bar Mitzvah. So in conclusion, Rav Unu Nachman defended them. The sick kid is going to fast completely the year before Bar Mitzvah. If he's strong, he'll fast two years before his Bar Mitzvah. Two years before, he's, we're going to make him fast with Rabban and the whole fast, we're going to do the chinuch l'shos. That's the most machmer opinion. And again, the other views in the Gemara didn't necessarily agree with that there's ever an idea of a kid fasting complete until he turns bar mitzvah. We just have the training for hours, and we had a machlokas between what we initially thought Rav Chista and Rav Yochanan. If that's Rav Yochanan is saying it's just one or two years before bar mitzvah, sick or healthy, and what we started off with was two or three years before uh, sick or healthy, they would start start training l'shos. Okay, we're done with that. That's how it was a stick a hard piece of Gemara. Now we go weiter for pikuach nefesh. We're allowed to break fast on Yom Kippur. Very gishmakayin. So says the Mishnah Uber Shirichah, pregnant woman smells food or drink. So she gets cravings, and the cravings can be very intense. So interestingly enough, you know, today we don't relate to this so much, but the Mishnah considers the cravings of a pregnant woman to absolutely be life threatening. We feed it to her until she feels better. So this is the idea. That it's, uh, and it, by the way, it doesn't, right, a lot of you shouldn't say it doesn't have to necessarily be only a pregnant woman. But we're talking about there are certain ideas that a body can crave something so much where their, their face even change colors and into that. That's considered a life threatening situation. In the case of a person, if you have an advice of an expert, 
that the expert advises that they should eat, then you give him food. Let's say there's no experts, then we feed him according to his own, a person's own thing. They say, yeah, I really need to eat. Aji Omar died, you did it, you, you, you feed him until the person says, okay, enough, I'm good now. So it sounds like the simple shot in the Mishnah is that you always go to the experts. That's what it seems like. It's also mashma that you always need experts, that you need at least two doctors. That's what's also mashma. And then the Mishnah is throwing out that if you don't have experts, then always machin also al-yidei So we'll see a lot in the Gemara tomorrow. What about a conflict? What if he says he wants? The doctor says he doesn't need. The doctor says he does need. He said he doesn't. So that's a complicated thing. We'll see that in the Mishnah. We'll see that in the Gemara t- tomorrow. But for today, we just see two things. We feed up the doctors. If there's no doctors, then we'll listen to him. Says the Gemara Tanar Abandon, Uber Shirikha Basar Kodish Basar Khazir. What happens to a pregnant woman? She smells kachim meat, which is usher to her, or she smells a piece of pig and she really wants it. So she has to do it. We have to be docha halacha for her because she might die. So Tokhun Lakush Barotev. So the idea is you don't directly go and feed it to her. What we want to do is see if she can, we can get the craving to subside without actually doing the iser. So that's the whole thing is that, of course, we'll do it, but we reluctantly are doing it, right? Pikuach Nefesh is docha the Torah. But there's a reluctance, there's a resistance, because it's re- fundamentally it's an answer. So what we do is we take a, 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 a little stick, a kush, and we stick it in the rot- um, we stick it in the rot- we stick it in the soup where the food was cooked. So let's say you have a stew with kachim meat. So you take the stick and you stick it into the soup, and then manichal peel. We put the stick there on her mouth. So what's going to happen? She's going to get epizatam from the thing, but she's not really eating it. So in if she feels relieved from that, her craving subsides. Mutov, then great, because then she didn't even eat the thing, so it's better. But if not, she still wants it, then Machinus Rotev Atzma will actually not only put it on her lip, but actually feed her the Rotev. Now, the Rotev is also, there's a din of Tom Keiker. Tom Keiker means that if a piece of meat gives flavor and water, then that gravy, that soup, has a din of Kodesh. But it's still not as bad, Tom Keiker, as eating the Iker itself. That's always a very big principle on halacha. Even if Tom is Keiker, but it's not Mamish Keiker. So at any rate, so we try to give her the soup. If she's relieved at that mota of him, she still craves. Then we have to feed her the fat of the other thing, meaning we don't hold back. There's nothing that stands in the way of Pikuach Nefesh. Chutz, the only Averis, which stands in the way of Pikuach Nefesh, those are the three things. But except for that, there's no Indian of Pikuach of, 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 of Nefesh pushing away an Avera. No, actually the opposite. The Avera pushes away, is pushed, the Avera is pushed away, and we say that to save the person's life, you do the Avera. Now, what's the idea? Why is that? This is a very important Machlokas Rashi and Tosos. Why is there an idea that, that, except for the exceptions that we're going to see now, but generally, we do an Avera to save somebody's life. Why is that? Maybe if Hashem said, don't eat Chazer, Hashem is saying, don't eat Chazer at any cost. How do we know not? Tosos in Sanhedrin says it's a Svara. Tosos assumes that the Pashtas is in Svara, that mitzvahs aren't meant to be so strong that you should give up your life. It's a Svara. So unless you know otherwise, you would always assume intuitively, Tosos says. That, uh, that you don't give up your life to do it to do a mitzvah there. That's that's Taisa Shita. Rashi Shita is very different. Rashi Shita is that it's based off a pasuk. The pasuk says v'chai bahem. There's a din in the Torah that you should live through the mitzvahs. So there's a drasha that, that it comes based on the Gemara, but Rashi applies it to bikuach nefesh v'chai bahem v'loshe yamas bahem, which means that. If a person gets to a scenario where fulfilling the Torah would cause them to die, then they're not expected to do that. So in Rashi, it's not a svar, it's not intuitive. That in the it's not a svar at all. It's a din in the Torah based on v'chai There's many differences, whether it's intuitive or it's a din of v'chai and maybe we'll see them ourselves. But there are three exceptions. What are the exceptions? So how do we know? 
both according to Tosas, how do we know against this far? According to Rashi, how do we know against Fachai Bam? How do we know? What does the Pasik say? What does it mean, Ahavas Hashem? This is always an important thing. What does Ahavas Hashem mean? Ahavas Hashem, Ahava means singularity of, lo- of loyalty, right? I'm completely dedicated to the Rebona Shalom. So that really is telling me, it's Machai of me in a mitzvah not to do Avodah Because if I'm doing Avodah that's an act of betrayal. It's against the Ahava of Hashem. The Ahava of Hashem. So that's, that's kind of something which we have to just accept. The Gemara doesn't even, the Gemara just is, is assuming that in its premise, that doing Avodah is against the Ahava Hashem. Okay, so if that's true, so the Torah says, If it says, with all your soul, meaning even all of your physical body, why does it say with all your money? The answer is, if you have a person that he loves his body more than, more than his money, which you would think makes sense, right? Somebody was mugging you, you would give them your wallet so that they don't kill you. So the Torah has to say, not only you have to serve Hashem with all your money, which is easier to part with, but even if you, even if it's just your, if your soul, even if it's your life, you have to be able to part with your life because of the Havas Hashem. So that's a source that, that for not to do Havas Hashem, you have to part with your life. Then say you have a person whose money is more precious to him than his body. So who is such a person? So Pashup Shad is you would think he's you know some horrible, greedy person, but the reality is that that's Sadiqim. Right? It says by Yaakov, he went back for Pacham Ketanim. That's why he met the Sashal Esav. It says he went back for Pacham Ketanim. The Gemara says, La to teach you. Sadiqim, it's Chavav of Aleim, Mamonim Yosemiguf. At any rate, Lachach Nemer Bachom Madech, you have to serve Hashem with all of your money. So you see, you have to give up your life. Bachol Nafshacha. So we have a very clear source. Bachol Nafshacha. That was pretty easy. Havat Hashem Bachol Nafshacha. It's a source that you have to give up your life for Avodazar. Gila Raiz, Shilas Damim Nalan. How do we know you give up your life? For Avodah Zarah and for for Shvi Chazam and Gilad Rais, the Tanya Rabbi Omer, we have a pasuk. The pasuk is by Naira Hamorasa. Naira Rasa, she was raped. Now she's doing Eishes Ish. There's Avera that's being done. It's a Bias Eishes Ish. So the Torah says that we don't kill her. Why? Because she probably cried out, and there was nothing she could have done. Just like a man rises up and kills his friend, so and murders him, so too this is what happened. The Torah makes a comparison. But now you don't do anything. The Torah compares it to a case of an innocent victim who was shot by his friend. Same way there, he's a total innocent victim. You don't kill him. So too, the Torah says, We don't do anything to her. She was just a total victim. There's nothing she could have done. We assume she was screaming and trying and everything, but she was just totally forced. That's what the Pasuk says. So the question is, Why do we need a mashal? Why do we need to learn about the Namarasa from a murderer? Meaning like, why did the Torah need that comparison? Why can't the Torah just say Lenal Sasa because she cried out? Why do we need that it's just like a murder case of murder? Really it came, the murderer came to teach something about Anaramarasa, but then it ended up learning something from Naramarasa as well. What does that mean? Webby explains. Just as Naramarasa, the Allah is that you're allowed to save her from the rape, even to kill. The, 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 the perpetrator, and that's Allah because the Pasuk says there was no one to save her. So the Gemara in Sanhedrin expounds, ha, yesh Allah, that if there was any way to save her, you would save her. It's so important to preserve her, her, her you know, her pristine state. She's a Naira, she's a Basula, she's going to be so defamed and embarrassed by this act of rape to her new husband. The Torah says, if you have a chance to kill the person who's raping her in order to save her, you do that. 
That's a halach. That's not what we're focusing on. That's nothing to do with, you know, giving up your life for an affair. That's just some. You save a girl who's being raped at any cost, even if it means killing him. So just as Nayar also, there's such halacha. So too, when you see a rotech about to pull the trigger and kill an innocent victim, what's the halacha? You try to save the victim at any cost, even if it means killing the rotech. So this is a halacha, again, not the focus of what we're looking at. But this is a halacha that you kill of someone who's about to murder somebody else. Okay? So you save the, 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 the victim of rape, you kill the person trying to kill her, and so do you save the person who's about to be murdered, you kill the person attempting to do the murder. That's something that was learned from Nahamarasa back to Rotzeach. That's not what we needed or care about, but it was said, fine. Here's the part that we do care about. A second point, and just as a case of murder, if someone was told he has to commit murder or else he would be killed, the halacha is that what he should allow himself to be killed and not commit the murder. Meaning, a person who's in the predicament of doing an act of murder or giving up his life is mechuyev to give up his life, and that's just the assumption. We'll see why in a second. So, to the case of namarasa, if a person has a chance to give up their life, or they could either allow themselves to be killed, or they could do an act of avodas of gilarayis. We learn that they have to give up their life. So that's the second point that we're learning. So how did, now the Gemara says, well, what's the premise of that? How do we know that that halacha is true by Rotech? How do we know that if someone's in a predicament, either pull the trigger and kill somebody, or we'll kill you? How do we know that the halacha is he has to allow himself to be killed and not pull the trigger? The answer is svarahu. It's logical. To us, the comment to Rav Amali, someone came in front of Rav, he said to him, Amali Marududah, there was a governor in my town who said to me, go and kill so-and-so. If you don't go him, we will kill you. So he asked Rav, what should we do in this horrible predicament? Amalei Rav said, let them kill you. You shouldn't kill somebody else. Why? Very famous svara. My cause is the damididach, sumatvei, what do you sue? What do you see? How can you assume that your blood is redder? Maybe the blood of the man that they want you to kill is redder than your blood. In other words, you can't make a decision about whose life is more valuable to Hashem, your life or his life. If you can't make a decision, how could you pull the trigger? Here the question is the preservation of life. Should you preserve your life or preserve his life? You can't make that decision. Who's to say your life is more valuable? So you can't make the decision, which means that you have to let them kill you. So that's a svara, that's logical. And I want to tell you the way that Rashi here learns, because it's very important. It's based off Rashi Lashitasa. Why are always, are you allowed to desecrate the word of Hashem to save your life? According to Rashi, you know why? It's not a svara. Nothing's a svara. Me svara, you would always have to give up your life to do the word of Hashem. It's a din of a chaybehem. What's the din of a chaybehem? The din of a chaybehem is that Hashem loves Jewish life more than he loves the fulfillment of mitzvahs. The preservation of Jewish life is the higher level than a fulfillment of mitzvah. So now the svara kicks in. If that's the angle, why you would desecrate because v'chai b'hem, the preservation of Jewish life. So if you have two Jewish lives here, mimonavshach, someone's going to die, and we don't know whose life is more valuable, then why in the world should you do the avera? Again, be'etzem, you're doing an avera. And be'etzem doing an avera is machayev to give up your life. Just there's a din of v'chai b'hem, that the preservation of Jewish life is the highest thing and transcends even the fulfillment of, of, of the Torah. But if mimonavshach, Jewish life will be spilled my blood or his blood, and we don't know whose is more valuable, then there's no reason to use v'chai behem. It doesn't make sense. The whole v'chai behem is to preserve Jewish life. And without v'chai behem, then what? You have no right to do an aver. 
So in Rashi, it fits like a glove. Because the whole point was v'chai behem is what allowed you, allowed you to give up your, to save your life. And you don't have that when someone's life is going to be die anyway. Whereas according to Tysus, that it's a svara that you don't have to give up your life. Because me'ichatesi, that the word of Hashem is so important that I should give up my life for it. Then the svara of the Gemara is a much stronger point. Because morally, I can't decide if my life is more valuable than his life, then I can't do an aver. That's a tremendous chiddush. Because misvara, I can do an aver, even to get, I can do an aver to save my life. But there's like, there's no, there's no mora, moral point here that how could you kill your friend, which therefore says you have to give up your life. And Rashi, it's not a moral argument. Well, how could you kill your friend? It's not, it's not about the morality here in Rashi. What it is in Rashi is that you lost the heter of v'chai behem. The whole Yisrael is v'chai behem. V'chai behem is saying the preservation of Jewish life is what beats the din of fulfilling the Torah. But here, Mimanoshach wants someone's life is going to die. So in Rashi, the, 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 the key point here isn't, you know, ethically, how can you decide your life is more important? Nobody cares about the ethics. The point here in Rashi is you don't have v'chai behem and v'manoshach, a Jewish life will be lost. In Taisvis, we're never looking at Fachai Bahem. In Taisvis, we're just I'm saying, intuitively, you should always be able to do an Aver to save your life. But here, the problem is, morally, I'm trapped because I can't kill somebody to save my life. It doesn't make sense that I should take away his life to save my life. Ooh, a new Svar, okay. It's a very interesting dispute in Rashi and Taisvis in the meaning of the Svar of the Gemara, which is based on the, the way that they look at all the Kolatar Kula, why you're allowed to do an Aver to save your life. Okay, continues the Gemara. There was once a case, there was a pregnant woman on Yom Kippur. She smells the food, and obviously she really wants it. She comes before Rebbe, she says, what do I do? Amadu, Rebbe says, Go to whisper in her ear, it's Yom Kippur. Obviously what they're trying to do is, you know, this is heebie-jeebie stuff, but they want the baby, the fetus, to hear that it's Yom Kippur and calm down. So they whispered to Yom and everything was good. She accepted, and the, the, the craving went away. So it was a very, very big tzaddik, this fetus. Kariela, Rebbe said about the fetus, Before I formed you in the womb, I already knew you. You were already kadosh in the womb. And you know who that baby was? Rebbe Echanan. What a beautiful story. Who over the Akra? There was once a pregnant woman who smelled the food on Yom Kippur. She came from Rechanina. The same thing, go whisper at Yom Kippur. Nothing worked. She didn't accept the whisper. She still wanted the food. So Rechanina said about her, that the wicked are so bad that they're Risham already inside the womb. And that's why you could whisper to the, the fetus, it's Yom Kippur, the fetus doesn't care. The fetus was an evil person, and therefore it didn't make a difference. Nafak Mina Shabsai Asar Piri. Shabsai, the guy who was a hoarder of produce, came out. Evidently, he was really bad for the economy, bad for Jewish society, and he came out uh, from her. So we see this idea of whispering, and this and that, that is able, able to do such a thing. Okay.